Thank you so much. Um, as Pastor Nate Wagner said, uh, learning to worship as a family is so important. This is our church. Look around. Um, you're going to hear things you don't normally hear in a Sunday service. Um, you're going to hear kids. And I, and I get it. I know why we have a, a children's ministry, and it's very important. Um, but it's very important also that we learn to be together in that. We're in Matthew today. We're going to take a break from Ecclesiastes. We'll be in Matthew chapter 13, verses 45 to 46. Uh, anytime we do an unplugged, which is basically once per quarter, uh, when we have that fifth Sunday, um, we will stop whatever we're doing and we just jump into just a teaching of Jesus. Um, we want you to encounter Jesus, and he has something to say. And today is very important. So Matthew 13, verses 45 through 46. Um, One of the things I hear a lot is from people when I tell them a pastor, besides them just straight step walking away, is they'll say things to me like, hey, you know what? That's great. I'm not really religious, but I'm spiritual, right? I I like to seek. I'm seeking. um, I'm spiritual. I just don't know that I would consider myself religious. And I get that. Um, It's very fashionable today. To be spiritually seeking and to be looking for truth and exploring and wondering. But it's not very fashionable to be spiritually certain. To like, no, I know what I believe. I understand what I consider to be true. And it shapes my entire life. Um, Here's my question that I have. I've been wrestling with this text all week. It's a very short text. What does it feel like when you found what you're looking for? What does it feel like to you? What is it like when you have found what you're looking for? I know if we asked Bono of you two, I don't know if you guys remember that band, he would not be able to give us a good answer. He still hasn't found what he's looking for. Yes? (laughs) Wah, wah. I'm sorry. It's hard to do a sermon every Sunday. What does it feel like? As a Christian, and I'm not just talking about somebody who's actually seeking to decide whether the gospel is true or whether another world religion is true. What does it feel like, not only for them, but for you? Yes, I have found what I'm looking for. How would you even know that? The text goes there today. I want you to be certain of something today. Because I think we would think this. If I found what I'm looking for, I stop seeking. Hmm, that's true to a degree, maybe. I think we could say there's some truth to that. But as you see in the text today, you don't stop seeking. It actually transforms what you're longing for. When you find what you're looking for, it should actually transform and create longing. Almost like that restaurant you love, and as soon as you go there, you can't wait to go there again. You're both full and satisfied and longing. It creates a hunger and a thirst in you that shapes your life. I want to go back. I want more of that. So where, where are you? Are you spiritually seeking? Are you satisfied? Are you looking for anything at all? I think we all are looking. Are you certain? So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13, verses 45 through 46. So let me just read these to you. This is Jesus teaching parables. And he's teaching just his disciples. He 
He said again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. One more time. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the gift of your word. I thank you that it's not just words to understand, but you empower your word with your spirit, Lord. And our prayer this morning is that as we look into this word, Lord, you would open it up that we might behold its beauty and its treasure, Lord, that we might um, be fed by it. We thank you so much, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Very good. I heard a little one say amen. See, it matters. Hey, when you meet Jesus, something's going to happen to you. This is, this is what I want you to see. When you meet Jesus, it's going to transform what you're seeking for. It's going to transform what you treasure. You will, because you're human, you are built to long. You are built for desire. So seeking isn't just getting rid of desire or even fulfilling that desire. You are built for it. You are built for longing, but you are built to be satisfied in relationship with God. So as we meet Jesus, that will necessarily transform what we treasure and the things that we long for. Now, Jesus is teaching in a parable. Um, This is just a story. If you notice in the New Testament, Jesus teaches in parables all the time. Um, One of the reasons, there's a couple of reasons. One of the reasons, though, is because you think three-dimensionally. You do not think in two dimensions. So when Jesus walks the truth into a parable, you get a three-dimensional picture of what's happening, and you, in fact, will enter into it, and you will remember it. So he's he's teaching by comparison and an analogy, and he's making it very simple. I'm just going to jump to the verse that we read last time that kind of goes with this verse. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure in a field, which a man found and covered up, and then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And then we hear today's. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Very similar. They're meant to go together. If you notice, one, the person's not seeking. He just happens upon the treasure in the field. He hides it so nobody else will take it from him. And he sells everything that he has. In his joy, he sells everything that he has. He's willing to sacrifice everything to purchase that field. In this one, the merchant is actually seeking. He wants to go out and find fine or beautiful pearls, because I don't know what fine means. He's going out to find beautiful things because his life depends on it. He's a merchant. This is how he makes his living. But it's, it's, it's a diligent search. He's on the lookout for it. But he finds a pearl of such value and so costly. He goes and sells everything that he has. He liquidates, if you will, and then he purchases that pearl. Because it's, it's everything. It's precious. It's priceless to him. So he's looking. The other person wasn't. But they're very similar. So let's, what is the kingdom? Let's talk briefly about what the kingdom is, and then I'm going to ask you a few questions. What is the kingdom? It's very simply eternity breaking in. This is God seeking. You want to understand what God wants? This is the kingdom of God. He wants you. He is seeking you. Jesus came to seek and save. So think of the kingdom as eternity breaking in 
to time and space as God entering into our story. What do we know about the kingdom? Well, the king's feet are on the soil. God the Son enters in to our story, is born, and his feet are on the ground. This gives special place to Ecclesiastes that we've been studying because Jesus is under the sun. He gets born into our lives. He has a family. He's on the soil. Secondly, kingdom of heaven, power of death is overturned. So vanity has no staying power underneath the king. So this king comes and he overturns the power of death. And we see that in just a couple ways. Resurrection, think of that as the inauguration of the kingdom. There is no kingdom without the resurrection because there is no king. And the ascension, uh, we see that Jesus ascends and he's enthroned as the king. So this is what the kingdom is talking about. I'm going to give you a very quick quote and then I'm going to just go through a few things that teach us what it looks like when we meet Jesus. What it looks like to have a heart um, that is seeking treasure in Christ. Let me just read this quote. It's about the kingdom of God. This is a very good quote. It's by John Piper, pastor. He said, In the kingdom of God, or in the kingdom of heaven, God is triumphing over everything that stands between you and everlasting life and real joy, if you will treasure him more than anything else. That's what's happening in the kingdom of God. He's overcoming everything that stands between you and eternal life and joy, if you treasure him more than anything else. So meeting Jesus transforms what we treasure. Um, How does that happen? I want you to feel what it's like to be possessed in this kingdom. I want you to feel what it's like to hold the priceless pearl in your hand. Um, I want you to understand what it means to meet Jesus and that that actually transforms your desire and what you want. So in your bulletin, I have written, don't worry about writing stuff down today. You can if you want, but I'm going to give you 10 ways um, that Jesus transforms what you treasure. 10 things. They're already in there, so you have to write them down. We're going to walk through these. This is what it feels like to have a heart that is born again, as Scripture says. This is what it feels like for a heart to be transformed by the meeting of Jesus. Um, a good friend, Bill Bray, in Charlottesville, he preached a sermon. I'm, I'm stealing some of this from him, just to let you know. Um, he preached a sermon on what is, it, what is it like, what happens to your heart. Ten things that happens to your heart when you've been born again. So I've used some of that because I think it was very good. And you need to know this. You need to know what it feels like to be born again. So meeting Jesus does transform what you treasure. How? First way, you treasure holiness. Do you ever experience conviction of sin? And this happens. It is impossible to know God, to meet Jesus, and not have this happen. In fact, it's impossible to meet God and not have this happen over and over again. Not that we're beating ourselves up over sin and like to hold on to guilt and shame. Oh, no, no, we're letting go of it. But it's impossible to be in relationship with God and not treasure holiness. And the closer you get to God, the bigger the holiness gets. You, you, and you desire that. You treasure that. Second, um, what does it feel like to meet Jesus? How does that transform what you treasure? Well, you treasure God's word. You want God's voice in your life. You desire that. You treasure that. 
He speaks to us through his word. And this is something that you want and you desire. Do you desire God's voice in your life? Is he a voting member on your board? Or is he king? Or do you go to him when you need something? Do you desire his voice? Third, do you treasure God's presence? This is, a big, this is kind of connected to holiness. Is this something that you want? Do you want to learn about God or do you want God? Do you sense the Holy Spirit's leading in your life? Well, how would I know that? Well, there's a lot of ways you would know that, but your desires start to come in line with what God wants for you. Well, what does he want for me? He wants you to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. He wants your life to be blossoming in the fruit of the Spirit. He wants you to be like Christ. Do you desire God's presence? Do you, do you sense God's Spirit leading you through his word? Um, four, do you treasure God's gift? Um, we talked several weeks ago about the difference between pleasure was um, experiencing satisfaction and fullness. Happiness was kind of that state of satisfaction and fullness that we can never hold on to. But joy is something different. Joy is when you possess satisfaction and fullness. Even if you have the opposite of pleasure, which is pain right now. But you possess it. Or better said, it possesses you. Um, do you treasure the gift that God has given you? In Christ. I will never leave nor forsake you. You are positionally never going to be extracted away from God. And he's never going to forsake you. There's a, rejection is not part of the equation in the gospel. Do you treasure that? Number five. Uh, do you treasure doing good to others? If meeting Jesus transforms what you treasure, this is a big one. You will treasure doing good to other people. Um, do you desire to do good works? How much? I think we talked about that last week. It's fleeting. We want to do things that are convenient for us, but how excited are you to do things that are inconvenient for you? Like, do you serve others with the same precision, energy, and focus that you do yourself? Um, We're growing in that. Number six, um, you treasure other saints. Man, 1 John is big on this. If you have no time for the church, if you have no time for other Christians... Do you know the king? Because if you're one of those people, and I used to say this, yeah, I love Jesus, but you know, I, have, I just don't love the church. I don't love organized religion. That's a very nice way to say, um, don't bother me. I'm taking from the church what I need, and then I'm going to roll on. Here's the problem. Jesus died for the church. He laid his life down for her. We are his bride. So if we do not like the church, man, you're, you're going to have to speak to Jesus about that. Because he's passionately in love with his bride. If we hate the church, um, there's a miss, there's, there's something going on there. So, and I understand there's reasons for that, but do you treasure other saints? Number seven, um, if you're meeting Jesus and you are transforming the things that you treasure, that you desire, um, you will see this desire, this treasure to see other people meet the King. You want other people to meet Jesus. It happens. Uh, you may not have the gift of evangelism. Um, you may be very clunky, but you will, you will want to see the opportunities flow out in your life to see other people. I mean, Jesus, like, do you labor to see other people come to salvation? Is that something that you want? Um, and you're like, oh, yeah, I want it, but I'm horrible at it. Okay, I am too. Um, but do you love it when people meet Jesus? Does it feel like somebody just got born? Does it feel like a new person has come into being because they have. Number eight, um, you treasure grace. What do you, what do you mean by that? 
we talk about grace a lot. Um, here's what it means to treasure grace in a very specific way. Um, not only do you feel conviction of sin when you think of God's holiness or when you're confronted with it, when you're confronted with grace, you don't want to sin. You stop sinning. Now, I don't mean in total, but you sin less. See, grace doesn't make sin safe. It's never about that. It's never about, well, I'm saved by grace so I can live how I want. You're in relationship with the living God through faith. So when you understand God's grace, his love for you, um, what he gives to us, does that motivate you in action to actually sin less, to reject what God rejects? Not just in idea, but actually to let go of things that you should let go of and to embrace things that you should embrace. Is that desire floating through uh, your life? Um, number nine, you treasure your future. Um, man, there's a difference in the church. We, we talk about this once in a while about, about justification, that through faith you are personally justified. God declares you righteous. But sanctification is the process of learning to walk in that righteousness in real time. Being conformed, and this is painful, and shaped into the image of the Son. That's hard, and that's where grace becomes aggressive. When you think of your future, do you treasure it? Are you growing? Do you care about growing? Do you want it? How bad do you want it? How bad do you want what God wants for you? How bad do you hold on or how tight do you hold on to what God has for you in your future? And lastly, do you treasure Jesus? We miss this one. The gospel is about one thing. It's about what God has done for you. About giving God the Son to redeem us completely. No more guilt, no more shame. Sin paid for, reconciled positionally with God in a relationship where we know him, we love him, we serve him, we enjoy him. It's impossible to understand that and not want to get to know Jesus more. And I love him. And I want to be around him. You see this in the life of the disciples? They wanted to be around him. Yeah, he was hard to understand. Even when he spoke to them in parables, he was like, what are you talking about? They would ask him, like, do we love Jesus, um, I have a couple new grandkids this summer, right? Praise God, it's wonderful. Um, but anytime you have a second grad kid born into a family or a second kid born into a family, it's a little dicey because the first one sometimes is the queen or the king, in this case, the queen. And so everybody wants the new baby and the new baby comes. You're like, wait a minute. There's only so much stuff my mom and dad have. Now I have to split that 50%. So we were a little bit wondering how that was going to work out in the life of my older daughter as she had a second girl. And she sent me this text last week, and it was a picture. It was a picture of her oldest daughter, who was almost three years old. And it basically said something, yeah, we know she loves her. We know she loves her sister. Because she had taken her prized possession, which is her raggedy old bear, which we bought her. And she does not sleep without it, right? She will go into a rage if you don't have it when it's bedtime. 
We have to find it. Has to be there. She took that and some other prized possessions, and she placed them on the new baby and walked away. I'm done with. She's got the best of everything that I have. That, my friends, is love and devotion. It probably lasted eight seconds. So, but the point was, she's like, no. She understood. Isn't that funny? We can look at a little a three-year-old and understand what love is. Love is always what you're willing to give. Always. And she was willing to give up her prized possession. To her, that was the priceless pearl. This bear that she's like, I can't sleep without this bear. So her bear and a few other other things she put on her baby sister. Um, that was how we knew that she loved her, her prized possession. So meeting Jesus transforms what you treasure. It always does. Always does. So what are you treasuring? What are you seeking? What have you sacrificed for? Psalm 101 says, I will not let anything worthless guide me. That's a prayer. Be, be afraid of that one. I will not let anything worthless guide me. So here's the application of this. You're probably never going to hear me say this again. Follow your heart. This is actually what culture disciples you to do. Follow your heart. This is, this is what the text is showing. The merchant follows his heart. You're going to throw back at me and say, well, wait a minute. That's got to be a trick. Because Jeremiah 17, 9, which you've told us before, says, the heart is desperately wicked about all things. You can't trust it. I know my own heart. Yes, but when you give yourself to the Lord, when you receive the gift of salvation through faith, Something happens transactionally, and you are given the Spirit of God. You are birthed again. That's why Scripture calls it being born again. When Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he's like, no one's going to see the kingdom of God unless he himself has been born again. It's invisible to you. First of all, yes, receive what Jesus has for you, and then follow your heart. These are new desires, and some of them are very strange, and they're price. They cost a lot. These are costly desires. These ten things are not exhaustive, but I know that if you know Jesus, at some level, you've seen these in your heart. You might have just let him walk through and said, hmm, that was weird. The call is to follow your heart, to engage this. Jesus will always give you what you need to walk on the path that he's laid before you. So have you met Jesus? Is he your treasure? Does does your desire, does what you treasure, what you're willing to sacrifice for, does that look like you've met Jesus? Does it? Because when you have, yeah, you will stop looking for life and receive it. It's total surrender. And know this, know this. These ten things will not earn you anything before God. Doesn't your heart say that? Man, if I could just live like that, if I could desire Jesus like that, I would never worry again. Did you hear the words of the song we sang? That he would give up his only son to make a wretch his treasure. Do you believe that? See, the price of the cross, separation between God, the Father, and God, the Son, was not a sufficient deterrent for Jesus. He gave it all up in joy for you his treasure. When you understand that, you cannot live the same way. It's unacceptable for you.
you live to love him and to make him known and to enjoy him and to let your heart be transformed by his desire for you because you're treasured and you know it. See, Jesus is veiled. This is one of the reasons hard to see the kingdom. He's veiled in ordinariness. He was a carpenter. He wasn't born in this city. He was an outsider. His own people rejected him. He's veiled by blood. He's veiled by execution and death. But here's how he's revealed to you today. His resurrection. Death overcome. And the offer of the gift of life to you. Eternal life. Not by what you desire or not by what you've accomplished. By what he's accomplished. And you can exhale and rest and receive it. What does it cost you? Everything. Take the view of the merchant. Liquidate. Give him your life. That's all you got, really. It costs, you're not going to be able to purchase salvation, but we are giving our lives, our desires, all that we have to Jesus, right? Because he's earned it. So meeting Jesus does transform what you treasure. So treasure Jesus, treasure him, and follow your heart. Would you pray with me? Dearly Father, thank you so much um, that you have given us the great pearl. You've given us something so priceless in Jesus that to even count the cost is staggering. Let us measure your love for us in this. In what you laid down for us. That you have given us God the Son. That we might know you. That our sin would be dispatched of eternally. And that we would have his righteousness, Lord. Let our hearts be transformed by that. In the name of Jesus, amen.